Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me today for our Facebook Live offering. I'm back. Uh, if you've uh, been following me uh, at all over the past couple of years, um, Facebook Live is something that I do uh, quite regularly. And uh, so I'm happy to be back. I kind of uh, do a few sessions of Facebook Live throughout a month or so, and this will be the same way, uh, leading up to an online meditation retreat program. Uh, so this is just the same as that, and I'll get to all of that in a moment. So this will be a talk on compassion, and primarily compassion for ourself. That's where I'll start this series of talks on compassion. And so I'll be hosting these at the same time every Thursday morning for the next month or so. So just a little bit of an announcement here before I get into the talk on self-compassion. So this is leading up to an online meditation retreat program that I mentioned. Uh, that retreat is called Kuan Yin, a retreat into compassion. It's an eight week long online meditation retreat. Uh, we just meet twice a week on Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, this is all East Coast time, Wednesdays and Sundays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. East Coast time. That would be uh, Thursdays and Mondays from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. here in Thailand, where I am. There's also a, a Section B uh, for those people perhaps in other time zones or find that particular time challenging. And the section B, our second section, runs on Thursdays and Mondays, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Great Britain time. So that section is, is designed to uh, meet the needs of people perhaps in Europe or who like a later start in the day here in Thailand. I, I also have many people joining from the Philippines. So I think in the Philippines, that's gonna be 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Here in Thailand, it's 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. on Thursdays and Mondays. The whole program launches on February 23rd, so a little less than a month away, right? Yeah, a little less than a month away now. We run from Wednesday, February 23rd till uh, Sunday, April 10th. Now, just as a note, there is a, a a time change in there. And I know in some places in the world, the clocks will go ahead after the first two or three weeks of the program. So do factor that in accordingly. Here in Thailand, the clocks never change. So you're, if you're in an area of the world where the clocks go ahead an hour, uh, factor that in. If you're in an area of the world where the clocks go back an hour, like New Zealand or Australia, uh, you might want to calculate that in as well. Okay. So a little bit more about the retreat format before we get started. Uh, the retreat sessions include uh, a variety of different guided meditations, opportunities for Q&A, interactive discussions with the retreat participants. Um, we'll be looking at some uh, writings from different traditions and things like that as well. Everything I offer, the retreats, these Facebook Live sessions, the one-to-one -one offerings that I do for people, everything is offered within a secular voice and held within a trauma-sensitive framework. So I, I find that to be uh, quite important. It's uh, one of the beauties of teaching that I am able to bring these uh, these teachings uh, from the wisdom traditions in a voice that's available for people from all walks of life and all backgrounds. The group number on the retreats are kept quite low. I try to cap the retreats at 15 people. So spaces are quite limited. So if this is interesting for you and you have some questions, always feel free to reach out and ask me directly or visit the website, suchsweetthunder.org, and uh, you can find all of the information there. 
Uh, one of the great benefits of keeping it at 15 people is that it's it's quite nice. We get a, a kind of a family vibe happening, a cohort, and there's a lot of interaction between the participants and so forth. The retreat program also includes one-to-one um, -one sessions with me at any time throughout the retreat. So I, I try to make myself very available to the retreat participants. And I find that meeting with the guide, with the teacher throughout the course uh, can be very supportive, particularly when we're working with such a, a delicate topic as compassion. The retreats are given in such a way that you can participate in as much or as little of the retreat as you wish. They're all recorded over Zoom, but the sessions are made available only to the retreat participants as a way of holding our confidentiality agreement that we're asked to agree to as we enter into the retreat. So it's only amongst the family, the, the, the crew of the retreat. And so you can attend as many of the live sessions as you wish. If you need to miss several or a few or all, that's completely fine. Uh, I do have many people who sign up for the retreat who choose to do the retreat at their own time and their own pace. And you're more than welcome to do that as well. Okay, before we get into the topic of compassion, I'd like to just offer a very, very brief meditation here. And so I'll ring the bell and I'll guide us into the present moment. And this will, in the interest of time, this will just be about a three to five minute guided meditation. So the, the invitation here is just to arrive into this present moment. There are many ways of arriving into the experience of the here and now. And for this practice, let's start with the experience of the body. So perhaps just feeling into the felt experience of the present moment. What does the body feel like? In whatever posture you're taking, whether you're, you're seated or lying down or standing up. Just acknowledging the posture, perhaps saying to yourself, sitting, and I know that I'm sitting. as a way of bringing mindful awareness to the, the felt experience of the posture. And while we're here arriving into the, the present moment, feeling into the posture, the invitation then is to bring awareness to the feet And feeling into any sensation that might be arising from that area we know of as feet. There might be a, a warmth or a tingling sensation. Regardless of the quality of sensation, we could invite the muscles in the feet to relax and grow soft, rest. We might also notice sensations of clothing against the legs or really any sensations arising from the legs. What's the, the felt experience there? above or beyond any thought or concept of legs. Going beyond the word legs, what's the felt experience of that area? Tingling, warmth, tension, pulsating. 
we might also notice sensations of clothing against the back. Really noticing any sensations arising from that area we know of as back. Just inviting the muscles in the back to relax, grow soft. What's the, the felt experience at the back? There might be some tension, tightness, softness, warmth, coolness, tingling. There's no wrong sensation or right sensation. It's just an invitation to notice what that area we often think of as back feels like for us right now in this present moment. And we could also bring awareness to the area we know of as hands and arms. Perhaps noticing the hands resting against the body, the arms resting against the body. What's the felt experience there? The hands, the arms, warmth, tingling, coolness, dry, moist, tension, relaxed, pulsating, throbbing, whatever's there. And in the next breath, we can bring this exploration, if it feels comfortable to do so, to the shoulders. Just noticing whatever's there at the shoulders. Going above or beyond the word or concept. Just feeling whatever's there. Tingling, pulsating, maybe some tension, softness. And if it feels supportive for you, could invite the muscles in the shoulders to relax, grow soft, rest. And in the next breath or two, we could bring this awareness to the cheeks of the face. And just noticing the felt experience there above or beyond any concept of face or beyond any idea of what we might look like and just feel into the felt experience of the face. Tension, warmth, smiling, tightness, relaxed, softness. And then when it feels good to do so, bringing awareness to the very top of the head. And often there's very little or no feeling at the crown of the head, and that's fine. Just noticing whatever's there. And so while we're resting here with the felt experience of the body, the invitation then is to, to bring awareness to the breath. And if you wish, if it feels supportive, perhaps taking a nice deep breath here. Noticing how the breath moves through the body the rising and falling of the abdomen, 
the expanding and contracting of the rib cage. You might notice the rising and falling of the shoulders with each breath. The back moving out slightly as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. Perhaps noticing how the body straightens up slightly on the in-breath and leans forward slightly on the out-breath. While we're here noticing the breath, you might notice the temperature changing from cooler to warmer at the nose and the back of the throat. And if you should become distracted at any point during the meditation, just know that that's normal. Most people get distracted during meditation. And noting the distraction with the word thinking, thinking, smilingly, letting the distraction go and gently returning back to the present moment. Resting with the body, Resting with the breath and just rest. Meditation requires no effort. And so the invitation then is just to rest. So in the next breath or two, we'll begin to shift away from this meditation and, and back into a conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. Thank you all for, for joining me in that brief guided meditation. And I think we went a little bit longer than I had anticipated, but you know, you go with the flow, right? <laughs> if you know me, you know I love to meditate. And so um, I tend to do that. I, I might think we'll go for three to five minutes and then I just get into it. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. So moving into the talk of the day, which is around self-compassion. And so as a way of getting started, I'd like to just define compassion. What, what am I referring to when I say the word compassion in this talk? Because different teachers have different definitions around that. And so I, I find it helpful just to, to put that out as groundwork. So the way I'm using the word compassion, I'm drawing right from the Latin root, compati. Compati means to suffer with. So compassion, the way I've come to understand it, means to suffer with your own struggle, your own heartbreak, or someone else's, to to hold space for your own breaking heart. Or if you're working with someone else or you're, you're with someone else in their midst of their struggle, to hold space for that person in their struggle. In a sense, someone else's heartbreak becomes your own heartbreak. So there's this empathetic aspect of compassion, right? Empathy means we resonate with another's emotional experience, right? 
So our heart begins to tremble to the same frequency of their heart. But compassion doesn't stop there at empathy. Compassion actually asks us to move forward with the question, how can I help? In fact, there are studies done, neurological studies that have been done now around compassion that illustrate that the motor cortex of the brain is stimulated when one is in the state of compassion. So literally, the motor cortex that moves us forward into action is stimulated. So there is this definite move forward with compassion how can I help? Now, sometimes, very often actually, that help comes in the form of silence. Right? When we're with someone who perhaps has, you know, just received some very bad news or perhaps lost a loved one, there's no words, right? There's nothing we can do in that moment to alleviate that person's struggle. But we can be the silent presence. And when we hold space in that way, it's very healing. Maybe some of us have had this experience. And this works for self-compassion too. When we're in the midst of struggle, to find that silence within our body, within our mind, within our heart, to turn everything off and just to be there, just to hold space for that, the feeling of struggle, the, the wish that the present moment were somehow different than it is. That's compassion. So true compassion, when we put you know, that into practice changes the way we live and we, the way we relate to our life. So the invitation then is to think of a time when you may have been with a close friend in the midst of their struggle. And then hold our own heart in that same way when we're struggling, you know, to offer us that same care, to offer ourselves rather, that same care, that same spaciousness of heart. And if we offer words of support to our friend, sorry you're going through this right now. You know, I know this is really challenging. We could offer our own heart those same phrases, right? You know, putting a hand over our own heart and saying to ourselves, wow, this is a really tough moment. You're doing a great job. You know, these are all self-compassionate phrases that can really help to, to nourish our nervous system, to help us find a, a type of resilience so that we can move through the storm. So compassion is a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenging practice. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's challenging because it, by nature, presupposes there's a pain there. There's challenge, there's a struggle there. And the practices of compassion require us to develop the capacity to be with our own discomfort and our own pain. We connect with the pain and the discomfort so that we may generate a wise and kind-hearted response to that discomfort, to that pain. So although initially these practices can be quite challenging, and, I, and 
as I mentioned, I, you know, I'm doing everything within a trauma-sensitive framework, and so I, you know, always invite people, if they're practicing with me, to go into these practices with a, a feather-light touch, so to really ease our way into the water, so to speak. Because although these practices are by nature challenging, when we do start to feel compassion, it feels good. That's the good news. In fact, referring back to those neurological studies around self-compassion and compassion for others, both, uh, the reward centers of our brain light up when we're in a compassionate state. Again, this is another distinguishing characteristic from empathy. When, when an empathetic person is near somebody who's suffering, the, the pain centers of the brain light up. But when a compassionate person is in the presence of somebody else's struggle or suffering, the reward centers of the brain light up. It's quite a different quality. And it, it is going back to that, how can I help? That how can I help connects us to others and that feels good. And when we're working with ourself, also the reward center of the brain lights up. So it has this bittersweet quality to it. So to kind of sum up the, the neurological aspect of uh, today's talk. Uh, compassion for ourselves and for others increases our sense of connectedness, our well-being. It increases our stability and strength, and it gives us the resource to feel grounded and stable when we are moving through challenging situations. So it's, it's no small or trivial practice. This is a very, very important practice. Uh, and I find these practices incredibly important uh, in the current world situation with COVID and the political divides and the climate crisis. Throw on top the normal everyday struggles and sufferings of birth, sickness, aging, and death, not getting what one wants, getting what one doesn't want. Right? These are the, the normal struggles of everyday life that we, we all encounter. So compassion is so, so, so helpful uh, to give us that ground, that re resilience to, to move through the storm with elegance and ease. So I want to talk a little bit more with a focus on self-compassion. And so for this segment of the talk, I'm going to draw on the teachings that have been put forth by the, uh, the psychologist Kirsten Neff. Kirsten Neff has done a great amount of work around self-compassion. And so if you really want to take a deep dive into self-compassion, uh, Kirsten Neff is one person to really investigate. She's got an abundance of videos on YouTube and a few books out. I think there are three books out. And she's written with a, with a, a, a constituent that she often works with, uh, Chris Germer. So yeah, both of those people are really wonderful teachers to check out. Anyway, here's my offering, drawing on Kirsten Neff's uh, offerings. So self-compassion has three primary components to it. Those components would be mindfulness, kindness, and common humanity. So I'm going to look at each of those one by one. So let's look at the role of mindfulness. So mindfulness is the practice of being in the present moment, remembering the present moment, remembering what's important, the here and now, 
the experience of the present moment, with a sense of non-judgment. So it's kind of this engagement with the here and now and not judging what's arising, good or bad, right or wrong, so forth. Just the bare attention to what's arising. So when we're mindful of the struggle of the present moment, it's this kind of open acceptance to what is happening. So that doesn't mean passivity. In fact, it's quite the opposite. When we can really step into the experience of the present moment free from judgment, there still may be a great amount of pain there. But we remove the suffering. We remove the argument against the inarguable aspects of life, right? Sometimes things happen that we can't change, and that hurts. But when, with mindfulness, we can remove the argument against that. You know, the suffering that comes from, oh, why is this happening? How could this happen to me? You know, and, and so forth. The resistance to the present moment carries a great deal of suffering. The Buddha called that, that the second arrow. He, he drew a, a, from a parable called the parable of two arrows. And the first arrow hits us and that's inevitable. That's the arrow of life. Birth, sickness, aging, and death, not getting what one wants, getting what one doesn't want, being separated from those who are dear, and so forth. That's the inarguable aspects of life. Can't do anything about that. We, if we have a human body and a human brain and a human nervous system, we're going to experience that type of struggle. And then the Buddha said, but we get hit with a second arrow. And that second arrow is the resistance to that experience. The Buddha pointed out that that second arrow is optional. We, we don't need to inflict that upon ourselves. And so with this role of mindfulness in self-compassion, we start to remove the second arrow and to be with what is as it arises. Now that can be quite a tall order. And so again, I really advise us to start light. And if we're gonna work with this kind of practice, you might start with something quite small, like a, on the scale of one to 10, it might be a two or a three. And I'll get more into that as the talk proceeds. I think we'll have time to do just a little bit of a self-compassion meditation uh, where we can perhaps experience that. So the idea here is we create this space. We have an experience, maybe there's some struggle there, a little bit of tension. We pause. That pause allows us to respond to that situation rather than to react. We feel into the present moment with mindfulness. We say, ah, oh, yeah, that hurts. There's some pain there. Maybe there's some anger there. There might be some fear, resentment. And we just kind of go through and name what's coming up for us. As we name the emotions coming up, they lose their power to trigger us into reaction. We mindfully observe, oh, there's anger. That's okay, anger is a part of the human experience. There's nothing wrong with anger. The reactivity to anger is what causes the suffering. But if we just can feel the emotion of anger, no problem. And whatever is there, physical, you know, throbbing, maybe achy pain, if, if we're dealing with a physical challenge, just noting that. 
So this gives us the presence of mind to respond rather than to react. We, we can make better decisions. We might be able to take a courageous look at the unpleasant aspect of that present moment and hold that in awareness. So that's kind of the, the mindfulness piece of the three pillars of self-compassion that Kirsten Neff so elegantly presented. The next piece we're going to look at is the role of common humanity. This really helps when we can really recognize that it's not personal. That all human beings encounter struggle. In fact, arguably, all sentient beings encounter struggle. Right? And so you might notice, you know, if you're in the midst of struggle or if you can think back to a time when you were really, you know, suffering or there was a lot of pain or struggle in your life, it might have felt like you were wearing blinders. Right? It's just kind of your whole world just kind of collapses around that struggle. Right? And it feels like that. It's like, oh, why me? You know, why me? Why am I going through this? We forget that all beings, perhaps in the, you know, not all beings all at the same time, thankfully, but all beings at some point have or will have or are feeling the desire for the present moment to be different than what it is. Now, I do want to acknowledge that there are varying degrees of suffering. That is true. And, you know, because of marginalization of particular groups, of ethnicities, of religions, of, you know, unfortunate qualities such as racism, which isn't really a quality, but unfortunate activities such as discrimination, racism, marginalization, economic inequities, and so forth. Uh, there are groups of people who suffer uh, arguably much more than others. And it's worth acknowledging that. I think it's important to acknowledge that. Yet, we all have self-compassion and compassion for others available to us. It's an innate quality of our heart. And so the practices that we'll be exploring over the eight-week course that I'm offering will be simply uncovering the innate quality of compassion that we all have. So the common humanity piece is about acknowledging that we all suffer that we all struggle. We're all in this together. And for myself personally, I have found that when I acknowledge that, it really does take the edge off of the struggle that I'm feeling. To recognize that it's not personal. You know, that we, we do all walk that same path that has its fair measure of joy and sorrow. So this gives us a type of strength which can help us bear the experience that we might be struggling with. And it also gives room for the healing process itself. So I'm going to move now into the role of kindness. And so here, we actually turn and offer ourselves that kindness. You know, I pointed to this a little bit earlier in today's talk, how we take the opportunity to, to hold ourselves the way we would hold space for a good friend in their struggle. Now, some teachers offer this technique called havening, where we literally do hold ourselves, We put our hands on our shoulders like that, perhaps rub our arms gently, generating this warmth that actually feels so nice. And that can be really nourishing. 
Or perhaps just putting a hand over your heart. Ah, this is a really challenging time. You know, I think for, for many people right now, this is a really challenging time. So this can be a really helpful practice, you know, just to acknowledge that we, and that we don't need to push against that. Because each time we do deny the struggle of the present moment, we're putting in that second arrow. We're inflicting ourselves with more suffering than necessary. So just to, to treat ourselves with that kindness and caring that we would offer our closest friend or our, our most dear loved one when they're struggling, how would that change things for us if we were to, to do that? So I think we have time. Let's do just a very, very brief guided meditation on self-compassion just to give a little sampler. This will be maybe seven, eight minutes long. Uh, and I won't do a full arrival, but yeah. Anyway, just follow along if you wish. It's invitation only, of course. Uh, and I have longer guided meditations on self-compassion on my podcasts, uh, which is such sweet thunder meditation program on Apple or Spotify. Um, yeah, so look for me there if you want to explore this deeper. And I'll ring the bell and I'll guide us in. Mm. And so the invitation then is just to arrive into this present moment. Noticing the breath, sensations from the nose, the rib cage expanding, contracting, the rising and falling of the abdomen. Noticing how the body moves with each breath, perhaps Noticing sensations arising from the, the face, the shoulders, the back. Noticing the arms and the hands. Perhaps noticing the weight against the, the weight of the body rather against the chair or cushion. You might notice the feet against the, the floor or the ground or the carpet. And so while we're here resting with this present moment experience, you, you're invited now to bring into awareness a moment in time where you felt you were struggling not something overly charged, please. Just something mild. Perhaps a two or a three on the scale of one to ten, on the struggle scale. Just enough to, to feel the desire to be free from that situation. What does that feel like, that push against the present moment? And then bringing mindfulness to that experience, just naming whatever the emotions that might be there. Depending on the situation, there might be anger, fear, longing, perhaps, sense of resentment, or might just be pain, 
Just naming mindfully, without judgment, whatever's arising, while holding in awareness that memory of struggle. next breath or two, we can move then into the common humanity piece, recognizing here that it's not only us, but all human beings, by the very nature of being human, we all feel a sense of struggle from time to time. that all lives have their fair measure of joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain, gain and loss. And as we move into the common humanity piece, we can continue there by perhaps visualizing the whole world Recognizing that all of the beings in the world, we're all in this together. And moving into the kindness pillar of these pillars of self-compassion, the invitation then, if you wish, if it feels supportive to to place one hand over the heart or a hand on the shoulder, perhaps both hands on the heart or one hand on the abdomen, whatever feels supportive for you. And ask yourself, what could I use right now? What would be helpful? Would it be perhaps words of support? Like, yeah, you're doing a great job. Or it's really amazing how you're showing up like this day after day, the strength that you're showing in your life. Or perhaps acknowledging the struggle with kindness. Whoa. Ouch, this is really tough. Just continue to, to feel into that, offering yourself whatever you feel would be nourishing, supportive for your heart, for your body, for your mind. So in the next breath or two, letting any visualizations or recollections that might be there, letting those fade back, just letting that go. Noticing perhaps the sounds of your present moment experience, whether they're loud sounds or quiet sounds, just notice what the present moment sounds like for you. Feeling the feet against the ground or the floor or the carpet. The weight of the body against the cushion or chair or mat. And you might notice Sensations arising from the hands. Sensations of clothing against the shoulders. And perhaps noticing sensations arising from the top of the head. 
So taking a few moments here to, to just settle, to rest. And so in the next few breaths, I'll just ring the bell one time as a way of bringing this meditation to a close. So I did it there. I managed to to keep it into the time that I, I thought I might. I think we went about eight minutes there. I hope you enjoyed that little brief exploration into self-compassion. And so if that is intriguing to you and you wish to explore that practice and, and many, many other practices that I'll be offering, uh, please do find out more information about Kuan Yin, a retreat into compassion, which launches February 23rd. Uh, to find out more, visit my website, suchsweetthunder.org. All of the, the information is there, all of the registration details also there on the website as well. If you'd like to do more meditating on your own around compassion or self-compassion, uh, plenty of podcasts on my podcast, Such Sweet Thunder Meditation Program, on Spotify, on Apple, and uh, you're, you're free to uh, explore those at, at your wish. They're, they're all free. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please don't hesitate to message me, email me. Love getting questions and shares and comments around meditation. So I'll be back at this same time, which is 9 a.m. in Thailand, uh, next Thursday, uh, going a little bit deeper into the practices of compassion uh, on Facebook Live and on Instagram as well. Uh, so hope to see you there. Have a great week, everyone, and enjoy your practice. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you.